Chapter thirty nine of Nobody. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Monica Raleigh. Nobody by Susan Warner. Chapter thirty nine. Luxury so they were all scattered but the moving and communicating wires of human society seem as often as any way to run underground quite out of sight at least then specially strong when to an outsider they appear to be broken and parted for ever into the history of the summer it is impossible to go minutely what mr dillwyn did in canada and how lois fought with ignorance and rudeness and prejudice in her new situation mrs barclay learned but very imperfectly from the letters she received so imperfectly that she felt she knew nothing mr dillwyn never mentioned miss lothrop could it be that he had prematurely brought things to a decision and so got them decided wrong but in that case mrs barclay felt sure some sign would have escaped lois and she gave none the summer passed and two-thirds of the autumn one evening in the end of october mrs wishard was sitting alone in her back drawing-room she was suffering from a cold and coddling herself over the fire her major-domo brought her mr dillwyn's name and request for admission which was joyfully granted mrs wishard was denied to ordinary visitors and philip's arrival was like a benediction where have you been all summer she asked him when they had talked a while of some things nearer home in the backwoods of canada the backwoods of canada i assure you it is a very enjoyable region what could you find to do there more than enough i spent my time between hunting fishing and studying studying what pray not backwards farming i suppose well no not exactly backwards farming is not precisely in my line what is in your line that you could study there it is not a bad place to study anything if you accept perhaps art and antiquity i did not know you studied anything but art it is hardly a sufficient object to fill a man's life worthily do you think so what would fill it worthily the lady asked with a kind of dreary abstractness and if philip had surprised her a moment before he was surprised in his turn as he did not answer immediately mrs wishart went on a man's life or woman's life what would fill it worthily do you know sometimes it seems to me that we are all living for nothing i am ready to confess that has been the case with me to my shame be it said i mean that there is nothing really worth living for that cannot be true however well i suppose i say so at the times when i am unable to enjoy anything in my life and yet if you stop to think what does anybody's life amount to nobody's missed after he's gone or only for a minute and for himself there's not a year in my life that i can remember that i would be willing to live over again apparently then to enjoy is not the chief end of existence i mean of this existence what do we know of any other and if we do not enjoy ourselves pray what in the world should we live for i have seen people that i thought enjoyed themselves philip said slowly have you who were they i do not know them you know some of them do you recollect a friend of mine for whom you negotiated lodgings at a far-off country village 
yes i remember they took her didn't they they took her and i had the pleasure once or twice of visiting her there did she like it very much she could not help liking it and i thought those people seemed to enjoy life not relatively but positively the lothrops cried mrs wishart i cannot conceive it why they are very poor they made no hindrance in their case poor people i am afraid they have not been enjoying themselves this year i heard of mrs armadale's death yes oh she was old she could not be expected to live long but they are all broken up how am i to understand that well you know they have very little to live upon i suppose it was for that reason lois went off to a distance from home to teach a district school you know or do you know what country schools are in some places this was one of the places pretty rough and hard living and then a railroad was opened in the neighbourhood the place became sickly a fever broke out among lois scholars and the families they came from and lois spent her vacation in nursing then got sick herself with the fever and is only just now getting well i heard something of this before from mrs barclay then madge went to take care of lois and they were both there that is weeks and weeks ago months i should think but the sick one is well again she is better but one does not get up from those fevers so soon one's strength is gone i have sent for them to come and make me a visit and recruit they're coming i hope i expect them here to-morrow mr dillwyn had nearly been betrayed into an exclamation he remembered himself in time and replied with proper self-possession that he was very glad to hear it yes i told them to come here and rest they must want it poor girls both of them then they are coming to-morrow yes by what train i believe it is the new haven train that gets in about five o'clock or six i do not know exactly i know now mrs wishart you are not well yourself and must not go out i will meet the train and bring them safe to you you oh that's delightful i have been puzzling my brain to know how i should manage for i am not fit to get out yet and servants are so unsatisfactory will you really that's good of you not at all it is the least i can do the family received me most kindly on more than one occasion and i would gladly do them a greater service than this at two o'clock next day the waiting-room of the new haven station held among others two very handsome young girls who kept close together waiting for their summons to the train one of them was very pale and thin and feeble-looking and indeed said so that she leaned part of her weight upon her sister madge was pale too and looked somewhat anxious both pairs of eyes watched languidly the moving various groups of travellers clustered about in the room madge it's like a dream murmured the one girl to the other what if you mean this crowd my dreams have more order in them i mean being away from easterbroke and off a sick bed and moving and especially going to where we are going it's a dream why too good to be true i had thought do you know i never should make a visit there again why not lois i thought it would be best not but now the way seems clear and i can take the fun of it it is clearly right to go of course it is always right to go wherever you are asked oh no madge well wherever the invitation is honest i mean oh that isn't enough what else 
supposing you have the means to go i am not sure that we have that condition in the present instance but if you have what else is to be waited for duty lois whispered oh bother duty here have you gone and almost killed yourself for duty well supposing one does kill oneself one must do what is duty that isn't duty oh it may be not to kill yourself you have almost killed yourself lois i couldn't help it yes you could you make duty a kind of iron thing not iron said lois she spoke slowly and faintly but now she smiled it is golden that don't help chains of gold may be as hard to break as chains of iron who wants them broken said lois in the same slow contented way duty why madge it's the king's orders do you mean that you were ordered to go to that place and then to nurse those children through the fever yes i think so i should be terribly afraid of duty if i had thought it came in such shapes there's the train now if you can get downstairs that was accomplished though with tottering steps and lois was safely seated in one of the cars and her head pillowed upon the back of the seat there was no more talking than for some time only when harlem bridge was passed and new york close at hand lois spoke madge suppose mrs wishart should not be here to meet us you must think what you would do why the train don't go any further does it no but it goes back i mean it will not stand still for you it moves away out of the station-house as soon as it is empty there will be carriages waiting i suppose but i am sure i hope she will meet us i wrote in plenty of time don't worry dear we'll manage i am not worrying said lois i am a great deal too happy to worry however that was not madge's case and she felt very fidgety with lois so feeble and in a place so unknown to her and with baggage checks to dispose of and so little time to do anything and no doubt a crowd of doubtful characters lounging about as she had always heard they did in new york madge did wish very anxiously for a pilot and a protector as the train slowly moved into the grand central she eagerly looked to see some friend appear but none appeared we must go out madge said lois maybe we shall find mrs wishart i dare say we shall she could not come into the cars the two made their way accordingly slowly at the end of the procession filling out of the car till madge got out upon the platform there she uttered an exclamation of joy oh lois there's mr dillwyn but we are looking for mrs wishart said lois the next thing she knew however somebody was carefully helping her down to the landing and then her hand was on a stronger arm than that of mrs wishart and she was slowly following the stream of people to the front of the station-house lois was too exhausted by this time to ask any questions suffered herself to be put in a carriage passively where madge took her place also while mr dillwyn went to give the checks of their baggage in charge to an expressman lois then broke out again with oh madge it's like a dream isn't it said madge i have been in a regular fidget for two hours past for fear mrs wishart would not be here i didn't fidget said lois but i did not know how i was going to get from the cars to the carriage i feel in a kind of exhausted elysium it's convenient to have a man belonging to one said madge hush pray said lois closing her eyes and she hardly opened them again until the carriage arrived at mrs wishart's which was something of a drive 
madge and mr dillwyn kept up a lively conversation about the journey and lloyd's condition and her summer and how he happened to be at the grand central he went to meet some friends he said coolly whom he expected to see by that train then we must have been in your way exclaimed madge regretfully not at all he said but we hindered you from taking care of your friends no he said indifferently by no means they are taken care of and both madge and lois were too simple to know what he meant at mrs wishart's lois was again helped carefully out and carefully in and half carried upstairs to her own room whither it was decided she had better go at once and there after being furnished with a bowl of soup she was left while the others went down to tea so madge found her an hour afterwards sunk in the depth of a great soft easy chair gazing at the fanciful flames of a kennel coal fire oh madge it's a dream lois said again languidly though with plenty of expression i can't believe in the change of easterbrook here it's a change from shampuashoe madge returned lois i didn't know things could be so pretty and we have had a most delightful tea and something cakes mrs wishart calls wigs the best things you ever saw in your life but mr dillwyn wouldn't let us send some up to you mr dillwyn yes he said they were not good for you he has been just as pleasant as he could be i never saw anybody so pleasant i like mr dillwyn very much don't said lois languidly why you had better not but why not you are ungrateful it seems to me if you don't like him i like him said lois slowly but he belongs to a different world from ours the worlds can't come together so it is best not to like him too much how do you mean a different world oh he's different madge all his thoughts and ways and associations are unlike ours a great way off from ours and must be it is best as i said i guess it is best not to like anybody too much with which oracular and superhumanly wise utterance lois closed her eyes softly again madge provoked was about to carry on the discussion when noticing how pale the cheek was which lay against the crimson chair cushion and how very delicate the lines of the face she thought better of it and was silent a while later however when she had brought lois a cup of cruel and biscuit she broke out on a new theme what a thing it is that some people should have so much silver and other people so little what silver are you thinking of why mrs wishart's to be sure who's else i saw never anything like it out of aladdin's cave great urns and salvers and cream jugs and sugar bowls and cake baskets and pitchers and salt cellars the salt cellars were lined with something yellow or washed to hinder the staining i suppose gold said lois gold yes plated with gold well i never saw anything like the sideboard downstairs the sideboard and the tea-table it is funny lois as i said why some should have so much and others so little we you mean what should we do with a load of silver i wish i had it and then you'd see you should have a silk dress to begin with and so should i never mind said lois letting her eyelids fall again with an expression of supreme content having finished her gruel there are compensations madge compensations what compensations we are hardly respectably dressed you and i for this place never mind said lois again if you had been sick as i was and in that place and among those people you would know something 
what should i know how delightful this chair is and how good that gruel out of a china cup and how delicious all this luxury mrs wishart isn't as rich as i am to-night the difference is she can keep it and you cannot you poor child oh yes i can keep it said lois in the slow happy accent with which she said everything to-night i can keep the remembrance of it and the good of it when i get back to my work i shall not want it your work said madge yes easterbroke yes if they want me you are never going back to that place exclaimed madge energetically never not with my good leave bury yourself in that wild country and kill yourself with hard work not if i know it if that is the work given me said lloyd in the same calm voice they want somebody there badly and i have made a beginning a nice beginning almost killed yourself now lloyd don't think about anything do you know mrs wisher says you are the handsomest girl she ever saw that's a mistake i know several much handsomer she tried to make mr dillwyn say so too and he wouldn't naturally it was funny to hear them she tried to drive him up to the point and he wouldn't be driven he said one clever thing after another but always managed to give her no answer till at last she pinned him with a point-blank question what did he do then said what you said that he had seen women who could be called handsomer the conversation dropped here for lois made no reply and madge recollected she had talked enough end of chapter thirty nine recording by monica raleigh